0: Yo, it is good to have fun on a Friday, and we are here with the Growth Engineers. Yep, that's Dean. I'm Atiba. We are the Growth Engineers. And if you are a business owner who, let's be real, growth is a big deal. You need to grow. And you've been stuck doing tactic after tactic after tactic and wondering, what am I doing wrong because my growth isn't consistent? Well, guess what? We are here to talk about proven strategies, not tactics. Principles that work, not tactics. We're the growth engineers. Welcome, everybody. Dean, what's up, buddy? Hey, man. Good seeing you again. How's it going? It's a pleasure. And today we get to talk about this topic that, honestly, I think it frustrates most people. And most people don't understand, okay? And real talk, I mess this up a lot even, okay? And that's that nebulous place between marketing and sales. Now, before we get to talking about the nebulous place between them and that kind of handoff that happens in there, we've got to deal with the elephant in the room, which is most people say sales and marketing, which leads people to think that either, number one, they're the same, or number two, sales comes before marketing. Right. <laughs> so let's talk about that elephant first.
1: Yeah. Somebody once used the term smarketing. Oh. Right. They squashed them together, right? Like it's the same thing. And even that's not really true, right? No. I mean they are functionally different things in your business. And what comes first, what comes second, you know, I think it's driven by the thing that we both have a huge passion for, which is the buyer's journey. Right? The customer experience drives what happens and when. And the, when we kind of came up through the ranks, marketing generated leads, they threw the leads over the fence and sales took them and closed them. Right, This lineal process with a, maybe a few little diversions, but pretty much it was like marketing, sales, close, go on. Mm-hmm. That is not the case anymore, man. No, sir. That process doesn't exist in a consistent and step one step two step three anymore now we know that there's a flow right there is a journey we go through but it's more of a spider web things happen we need this now we need this and this comes in there and so it's a big subject it's a huge subject so what do you think how do you sort of think about unwinding this sort of friction between marketing and sales
0: yeah and it's a really great question and i'm glad i asked it and you returned it back to me (laughs) right and You're absolutely right. It is about that, the buyer's journey, and it is about recognizing that, and here's for me, here's the key is recognizing that as you define your buyer's journey, and, and you heard Dean talk about the spider web, what that really looks like is you're going to get someone that you think is at a certain point in the journey with you. And you're going to take actions with them at that point in the journey and realize They're not at that point in the journey, they're at a different point in the journey and you need to return them to that point. Okay. And that's the big deal there. That's the big friction there because it used to be, and it is still in a lot of people's mind down to even how we look at CRMs, right? When you look at CRMs and you look at pipelines in the CRM, it's a pretty freaking linear process. And that's just not the way it works you may get someone on a sales call and realize we've not built enough trust with this person yet they don't actually know who we are yet and so what do you do on the call well do you just push through and again try to use your best consultative selling and if you don't know why consultative selling is bad we got a video we did on that Use your best consultative selling to to get them to make a sale? Or do you say, you know what? We need to take you back to a nurture campaign. And we need to indoctrinate you a little bit more before we continue this conversation. Right? And that's the key. And that's the big shift and the big difference is realizing the fluidity in the spider web and being okay with it.
1: Yeah. 100 percent there are stages that we go through as humans to make decisions right we have to understand the problem we're trying to solve and oftentimes we can't do that on our own we need somebody to help us figure that out Mm -hmm. we need to kind of understand the different options Mm -hmm. and all the impacts of that Mm -hmm. then we need to weigh up our options Mm -hmm. and then we make some kind of decision that decision may mean i need more information i'm not going to do anything or i am going to move forward Mm -hmm. So there are some of those sort of road uh, steps on the journey, right? The road that we go down. Mm -hmm. But as you said, we may find that we think that somebody's at a certain point and they actually aren't and they need to come back. Yeah. So is it sales job to identify that and then do something about it? Or is it marketing's job? Yes.
0: Is the answer. It's a yes. It doesn't matter who recognizes it. When you recognize because here's the truth. The flip side is also true. Okay. The flip side of, and I'm going to give you an example. I entered a sales call with a guy back in November. This guy contacted me the day before Thanksgiving and then was upset that the next available appointment was the Monday after Thanksgiving, right? right? (laughs) To the point I had to ask him, where do you live? Because I couldn't believe that he was actually in the U S like he wanted to meet on Thanksgiving day. Wow. (laughs) Right. I'm like, no, dude, we'll meet on Monday. That's my next work day. Okay. And so we're having a a sales call on Monday, but I'm thinking it's probably more marketing. And so I came into this, because I don't know anything. I didn't even know the guy's name. He contacted me. Didn't even tell me his name. Just said, I want to get on your calendar. I had to beg him for his name and what his company was. Right? So I'm thinking, you don't know anything. So I need to slow your roll down on Monday and go through some of who we are and how we work and mm-hmm. all of this. This guy got on the phone with his credit card in hand and said, I've consumed your videos. I've watched your presentations. I know what you do. I know what it costs. I'm ready to buy right now. And so I was in a marketing mode. <laughs> to educate. And to teach and to share and to collaborate with him. And he said to me, nah, bro, let's go. <laughs> right? Let me buy. And so it goes both ways. So sometimes marketing recognizes that somebody's ready. And then sometimes sales realizes, no, you need to go back and spend a little bit more time. You're not ready yet. And that's
1: okay. Yeah. yeah. That's an interesting example where... They were way down that buyer's journey, right? Your marketing did its work. It did. However, as a salesperson, you still want to make sure that they're the right fit for you. Just because they want to give you money doesn't mean you want to always take it. And that's the role of a salesperson, right? Is to establish that sort of is it a fit? Are we the right solution? You may think we are, mm-hmm. but you may not be the right fit for us. Mm-hmm. I think that's an interesting situation. So, People have probably heard the term MQL and SQL. So this is sales and marketing jargon, right? MQL is marketing qualified lead. yeah. And SQL is sales qualified lead. And there's a bunch of other acronyms that we use in marketing and sales these days, right? And so what I find is often that the definition of this term that we all use, lead, it's just like saying food. Well, food to you, Favorite food. I'm sure our favorite foods are different, right? What you think of as a lead, what a marketer thinks of as a lead and a seller thinks of as a lead is very different. Are they marketing qualified and what does that mean? Are they sales? So tell us a little about how you think about defining this individual because people buy from people, companies don't buy from companies, right? How do you define those so we can kind of put a label on them and then address them in an appropriate way?
0: Yeah, that's a really, really great question. It's a super, super great question. And that line is so fuzzy Okay, for me. The line is so fuzzy because, number one, we used to put the breaking point at the place where someone takes an action. Right? They took an action. They said, they raised their hand and said, me, 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 contact me. And then they went from an MQL to an SQL. Okay. And that was the line there. Right. And before that, let me even go before that. Before that, this is how I used to think of it. And I think we're now in a bit of a hybrid state. And I, I can't wait to hear what you have to say because I haven't totally even figured out the total hybrid state yet. But I'm waiting to hear what you have to say. Okay. But before that, we used to look at it as... The point at which I realize that I might be able, no, no, hold on. I'm going back 15 years, y'all, so bear with me because I'm trying to bring back memory here now. Yep. Uh, so first it was, okay, and I don't even remember the terms that we used to use because we used to use prospect and so on and so forth. We used to use a whole other <laughs> set of terms. Yep. But it was, you recognize the prospect, the client recognizes that I might be able to do what you need, I recognize the seller or the marketer that I might be able to fulfill what you need. Okay. And so there's a curiosity stage and that used to be the MQL stage, right? Mm -hmm. Then there was a point back in the day, how we looked at it, that it got to now I, as the seller Know that I can do what you need. Oftentimes, the big thing that changed y'all was budget, right? So right. Uh, we can do what they need, but they're going to pay for it, right? And so we made that understanding, or maybe it was some other determination. Maybe it was you know that you have the bandwidth, the time, the, whatever it is, but I know I can do what you need. And at the point where I recognize I can do what you need then was when, back in the day, we used to take it and throw it over the fence to sales and say, hey, sales, we got a good one for you. Go get it. Yep. It's your job to convince them that we can do what they need. Right. Yep. Right? And that's how we looked at it for a very long time. Man, The digital age kind of happened. This was before pre-digital. Right. Then the digital age happened and we ended up with lead magnets, whatever that looks like in your business. Right. Okay. okay. Could be a phone call as a lead magnet, whatever it looks like. And that became the point where it was a marketing's done their job, we're throwing it over to sales. Now, in 2023, the world has changed once again. You know, we've talked about this a ton. And so, it's, again, as we're the growth engineers. We're not about to give you tactics here. Dean, I'm looking for you here. What are some of the principles now from where we've been that still hold true that we can use moving forward?
1: Yeah, I think everything you laid out still applies to today. And then there's an and mm-hmm. or and on or, or. So traditionally, the way I think about a lead, a lead is just a set of characteristics of a person and a company that meet the profile of someone we can solve a problem for, right? It doesn't mean anything. A lead is nothing. If you use HubSpot as your CRM and your marketing automation tool, a lead is just a contact. It's a human. We don't know anything about them except maybe their role and their company and their whatever. That's a lead. I don't care about leads. You can go buy lists of leads and they're all usually not very good. not qualified leads. But to your point, a marketing qualified lead is probably one of the most important stages as we think about from a marketing standpoint that we want to take a person or a company or an individual through. Because a marketing qualified lead is someone that has raised their hand they've interacted with our marketing stuff, Mm -hmm. not just interacted maybe once while that may be enough, but you can actually create a lead scoring mechanism. Yes. which adds up the interactions, the times have been on your website, the times they have opened your emails, the times they have done, interacted with you. So a one-time white paper download, I have a client right now that we're running PPC campaigns for, and we've been running PPC campaigns for probably a year around this particular product. And for the first six months, we got a whole bunch of MQLs, white paper downloads, white paper downloads, white paper downloads. And you know how many of those leads, hot, ready to buy leads, Converted, none. So what they were calling an MQL because somebody interacted one time with our stuff was not an MQL. It was not, we didn't score them. They didn't have enough interaction. So knowing that there's a series of interactions that really get you to a true MQL, right? That's, I think, a big nuance right now. If it was, we showed up an event, sales, you're on them. Just showing up at an event doesn't necessarily mean we need a six sales on them, right? They may not be ready yet. We have to understand all of those components. We may want to have a, if it's a score of one to 10, maybe they want to be a seven before we say sales, go reach out.
0: That leads to a great question though. Like, okay, Dean, how do I score?
1: Yeah, and if I had the magic 1 to 10 wand, I would give it to you, right? The truth is is a lot of test and experimentation in the process, right? Usually it's some kind of a score, some scale of 1 to 10, and somewhere in the middle-ish, that triggers something. So I would use the scoring scale a little differently, though. Mm. So if they're a score of, let's say, 3, maybe we know that they've had a couple of interactions around a couple of different collateral pieces of marketing campaigns. Mm-hmm. At a three, we now put them into a more accelerated nurture campaign. They're not ready to be sold to, but we now know, okay, they're not looking at all of these things. They're really interested in this now. Yeah. Now let's get them in a campaign around this more narrow topic. Yeah. And if they continue to interact and the score goes up, they move through this process.
0: Yeah. Right. Yeah, that's great. And like I told y'all, he was going to have the answer, right? But part of hearing that answer is it does take some trial and error, some playing to figure out your lead scoring. And not just your lead scoring, but this is the part, don't miss what Dean just said, the messaging. So this is not about trying to get into another linear process of sales or marketing. This is not about trying to push people along a path right but this is about trying to help them take the path that they want to take and educate them along that path but in order to do that you've got to know the content that they need and what comes next right and so dean i want to wrap all of this right back around to customer profile ideal customers buyer Personas, whatever you want to call it. Okay. And the section in there that so many of us skip or don't do enough of, which is what are their pain points and how do their pain points relate and how do we then take that? Cause even if I've seen some people and I've been guilty too, who've done it and done a great job of understanding the pain points, but then
1: don't turn around and use that to actually help people. Yeah. So when people search the internet, right, Mm -hmm. whether they're Googling, clicking on ads, on social, they're thinking problem and pain. They're not thinking solution yet. They're going to say, how do I solve this? Yeah. That's how we think, right? That's how we think. And so your messaging sort of life cycle often begins with the stated problem. You know, we know you're trying to solve this thing. You're trying to alleviate this pain because that's what they're searching for. That's what our messaging should align with. But it has to tie to some next step, right? Some sense of, okay, as a buyer, here are some options I have, right? And I think that's where oftentimes we go right to features, benefits, stuff, right? Sell our stuff. Our baby is beautiful. They don't care about your baby, right? They care about solving their own problem first until they know you understand it. They don't care about how you solve it. Right. Right? So that's the beginning of the messaging journey. Absolutely. That's where
0: I start. That's where we start. Absolutely. You know, I feel like we've just hit the tip of the iceberg with this. And... I'm not even sure we hit the tip, like we hit the tip of the tip because I can see what's above the water. And so I know if I'm seeing that and we're still only at the tip, there's so much more here, right? There's so much more here. And so I got to ask you for someone who's seeing that, oh man, this is just a tip and I've got so much to learn. What do we have that we can share with them that would help them along that journey?
1: Yeah. Well, I would certainly say tune into some of our other episodes. We've got episodes on the buyer's journey. We've got episodes on different sales approaches, different marketing approaches. Start to consume more of our growth engineers content, right? Because there's so much gold there and it's not the detailed tactics. It's strategy work. It's things that you need to understand the big picture around. So I would start there. That's where I would send people that are like, what do I do next? Go there. What would you suggest?
0: I think that's a great place because... That's our goal here, to be honest with you. And and I'm not trying to sound self-serving in saying this, but our goal is to help you learn the principles that you need so that your business can grow. Right. And this is just the tip of the iceberg. And guess what? This is the tip of one iceberg. This may not be the iceberg you need to tackle first. Mm -hmm. And that's what you will get from consuming a lot of our content is you'll start to understand which iceberg I need to tackle first and then move on. Yeah. Yeah. So, as always, everybody, he's Dean. I'm Atiba. We're the growth engineers. Thanks for being here. We'll see you next week.
1: Bye-bye. See you in the next one.